get all these fucking emails from Zoom, so not sure if they're gonna freeze me out of this. We should be all right. Um, no. Yeah. All right. My next guest is a former All-Pro NFL kicker and a one-time COVID kicker for the New Orleans Saints. Want to welcome back on Mr. Blair Wells. Blair, how are you doing? Good. I don't know what that one-time COVID kicker. Where's the COVID? You were the COVID kicker. The COVID season. You were well. I was. Yeah. I try to forget that. That's how my. That's, career, like, that's uh, a LinkedIn and, thing you put on right there. Like, hey, like, it's hey, just I'm, a nice story, right? It's another yeah. nice story. COVID kicker. Designated survivor, yeah. but, except, but except I can I can put it through the upright. The designated survivor nobody wanted. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You've got it down. <laughs> what's up man so this viking season is unbelievable so they're what eight and one can you believe this or do you think it's just the opponents they're playing or is what's, what's going right with this team probably a little bit of everything um you know they've always had the offensive firepower in minnesota i think last year their defense let them down significantly which was evident by the numbers uh you know when you change head coaches and you change gms and there's a big culture shift you you tend to usually get either an immediate positive result or a few year build up process kind of like the jets have had where you're now just starting to see them come to fruition with what they could possibly be in the future for minnesota though i mean i feel like everybody knew that that was kind of an add water and mix type of situation where they've got the talent there and they've got the the offensive playmakers and cousins and jefferson and cook and they rebuilt the offensive line. I think Patrick Pearson's been playing out of his mind for um, in their defensive backs. And I just, it, they look like they have their stuff together. They look very under control. Uh, have they played the hardest schedule with the starting quarterbacks on the teams they've played? No. Um, you know, playing Miami without Tua doesn't really mean the same. And, you know, playing Washington uh, last week and barely winning. But again, these are the types of wins, these close games that they keep winning. These are the types of wins that are going to matter when it comes down to, the end of the year and and they really do need to pull out those tight games and the fact that they've done it before will help them you concerned that like once you move into the postseason kirk's not getting these 1 p.m start times anymore and that's kind of his sweet spot you think that maybe they'll, wow. they'll flex them earlier for the vikings just so you get peak kirk kirk after dark is a real thing um you know the thing i do like about kirk cousins though is it feels like all the players on the team now that the whole COVID issue has subsided and there's we're not talking about vaccinations or potentially you know where you stand on that uh, it feels to me like the team's really embraced Kirk and realized that he is the actual guy that feeds these playmakers and that without him they look around the league and they see these other teams where you know you look at Washington Terry McLaurin he's just not getting the football and that's because he doesn't have a guy consistently throwing him the ball um, and Kirk is that you know is he going to light it up and and carry your team to victory no but is he going to feed the appropriate guys in the team and, and keep your offense humming and give you a chance to win yeah that, that, and that's what he is. Do you think O'Connell's the real deal? Do you think just kind of this, it's been a good schedule so far? Too early to tell. Um, you know, I think in today's day and age, O'Connell kind of looks like a player's coach, right? Which is what you have to be. There's no such thing as that hard-nosed, tough-ass, you know, it's my way or the highway guy anymore. It, it's really about how do you mix that culture with what the players want and what you want. And it seems like he's done a good job of that so far. And it seems like the guys are responding to it well. What do you make of the, all this, basically the division as a whole with the Packers just imploding? Oh, my gosh. I mean, this has got to be one of the worst years you've seen in that division. Um, yeah. You know, the Packers don't look like they show any signs of life. And, you know, I heard it said that the Packers, by not signing somebody or, or not, you know, giving away draft capital to to get a playmaker at the trade deadline, that, you know, they're doing the right thing by Aaron Rodgers and, and trying to build for the future. And my argument is that, He's 38 years old. You're not getting any younger. He's not getting any more motivated to play. And he's already shown signs in the past that, you know, hey, I love football, but I have other interests and, you know, there's other things I'd like to do. So 
to me, them not selling out at the deadline to get a playmaker uh, just kind of spoke volumes to how their organization is run at this point. Um, just from the standpoint of Green Bay is going to do it the Green Bay way and try to build with, with, you know, from within and get those free agents that are not the marquee guys. And, you know, unfortunately, that's not the type of stuff that's going to save your season. And I feel like that's what they needed. I saw some article today. They said that some former coach was just watching their game, just kind of watching the All-22, and he says that they're not running LaFleur's offense. It's basically just they're doing whatever Rodgers wants to do in the field, and it's just turmoil everywhere. Yeah, it definitely looks like he's definitely uh, checking out of a lot of the initial play calls. But again, I mean, how are you going to tell Aaron Rodgers that what he's seeing in the field is is – you know, should take a backseat to your play call. So there has to be that healthy marriage of where you're respecting your play caller and you're being able to do what you want to do on the field. And they just look out of sync. And, you know, to be frank, they don't have the playmakers. I mean, who on their offense outside of Aaron Jones scares you? No one. I like Lazard, but he's a number two. Yeah, but come on. I mean, Alan Lazard on, on, you know, 15 other teams is a three, right? Yeah. So he's essentially being used as their number one receiver, which is just, it's, it's hard to have any success that way. And, the moment they get injuries like they just did with Romeo Dobbs, they're they're really behind the eight ball. And I mean, they're in win now or our season's over mode. When, when, when they lost Hackett to the Broncos and Rodgers didn't follow him, was that surprising to you? I, I'm not entirely sure that Rodgers didn't want to follow him. I just, oh, like I said, Green Bay does things the Green Bay way. And I just, I'm sure they wanted to keep Aaron and convinced him to do so and um, couldn't make it work. It's wild because I saw that apparently they did offer a first to Carolina for DJ Moore and the Carolina said no. So I'm thinking, all right, you want to please Rogers. This could be his last year. Maybe throw some more compensation in there. And I guess that's where the conversation ended. I agree. I just, I, don't you feel like every other team in the NFL, when they really need to have something happen, they find a way to do it, whether it's with one, two, three, four picks, whatever it is, they find a way to get it done. And for me, they just, I feel like in the recent years, they haven't made those big splash moves to really help him out in his prime. And then looking at the Bears, did you see this coming for Fields? Because I know he's one of your got your Georgia guys, and then he flips to Ohio State, and but he's just come on like he's been incredible. No, I mean you always saw the the talent with Fields, but I mean I I'll be honest, I had a conversation with someone about three weeks in, and I just said, man, Justin Fields doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. I, I, you knew he had the talent and the athleticism, but it just looked like he was stuck and it, and, you know, second guessing his decisions coming off of his first reads and, and pulling the ball down and running. It seems like now they've kind of tailored the offense more to his actual traits that are, that are, you know, unique. I mean, he almost runs like Michael Vick, but he's, you know, probably 50 pounds heavier than Michael yeah. Vick was. So it's, it's kind of cool to see a guy like him move down the field. And, you know, the idea that he has to go through each one of his reads and become a pocket passer is kind of, it's just not correct. And I like that Chicago's moved and, and transformed their offense to fit him and not make him fit their offense. Because it's perfect. It's like you see your 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 rookie, your sophomore quarterback excelling, but you're losing and they still kind of stink, but you're excited about the future and you got picks and you know you're getting a great draft picks. It's literally like that's what I've always wanted for Washington, but they always do something outside of that. Like the opposite. Yeah, everything everything is going right right now in the Bears fans' mind. I don't think they really think this is a season where they contend. Obviously, they traded Robert Quinn. They traded Roquan Smith. I don't even know who's playing offense. One of the guys on the offensive line played against me in rec basketball. That's how stacked this offensive line is. Uh, Sam Mustafer, I, I blocked him a couple times. I tell people every time the Bears are on TV, like, I blocked that guy. But, um, yeah, I don't think they're expecting much from this season. But for I'm trying to, trying to blank. What's, what's the name of the, co- the head coach from Indy? It is got Frank right? No, 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 the, bear, the oh, Bears. Oh, Eberflus, Matt Eberflus. Yeah, Eberflus. Yep. I, I had, um, I was talking to, oh, I'm drawing a blank. I was talking to Moose Johnson before the season. I said, any of these first-year coaches, they intrigue you. 
And he, he said he was at the Bears camp and he goes, I really like what Eberflus is doing. I think he's going to kind of fly under the radar. And that's really what's going on right now. So Bears really, fans, that's, that's, a, that's a good call by Daryl early in the season like that. Yeah. So I thought that was, I thought that was wild. And then with the Lions, I, all right, they beat the Packers, but do you make anything of it? Or what do you expect of this Lions season? I thought they'd be a little better. Uh, I did as well. I, I feel like the, the book is kind of out on the Lions right now. And it's that they're going to fight. And you're going to fight to the finish. But eventually at that finish, they're going to fall apart. And it's unfortunate to see that because you, they do have some talent and they've got guys in position. They just don't have the depth needed to really finish games. Um, once you start getting to that second rotation of guys or if guys start to go down, their backups are not as good as their starters. And, and quite frankly, they're not NFL caliber starters. So it's hard to it's hard to maintain those leads or it's hard to come back at the end of those games when you're when you just have a talent gap with the team you're going against. And then with um uh and then look looking at the Colts, obviously. So the other day they they, they part ways with Frank Reich. Obviously, the season has fallen apart completely. The offensive line has been a disaster. Matt Ryan is not the acquisition they thought he was gonna be. They fired Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator last week. They part ways with Reich, like and then, then now they're hiring Jeff Saturday, who is on ESPN on Saturday. Um, what the hell's going on? Do you what, what do you make of all this? Uh, doesn't it seem like it's their last ditch effort to possibly save the season? Because for I me, think it's the opposite. I think I think I think they're throwing them under the bus so they tank the season, and then no other coach would take the job. Uh, I, yeah, see, I just I, I think that's that's the that's the most likely scenario. But for me, I just I don't think Matt Ryan is washed yet. I don't oh, really. And you're only two games out. You're getting Jonathan Taylor back and you're getting your receivers healthy again. I'm just not totally convinced the Titans are running away with that division. So I'm not entirely sure why you would give up. So to me, the head coaching change and the refresh kind of seem like, hey, can we catch fire here? And still, because, you know, before the season, everyone was saying the Colts are talented enough to make a deep run. On the They're, playoffs, the favorite. Right? They're the favorite to win the AFC South. That didn't change. OK, and I don't believe that Matt Ryan all of a sudden just now can't play football. I, I believe it's a combination of health, Jonathan Taylor and, you know, just some unfortunate luck in the beginning of the season. I mean, they should have won their first game if they had made a kick. So to me, they're right in it, in that division. And I know that seems crazy to say, but, you know, this is their last ditch effort to say, hey, can we pull off some wins and get our mojo back and possibly make the playoffs and just continue building what we've been building in the past couple of years? It's, it's, it's really interesting because so imagine, imagine it's flash it's flashbacks to say you're on the Viking and say Zimmer gets, gets fired and you don't know what the hell's going on. The season's going down the drain. And all of a sudden they come in and they say, all right, this is your new head coach, Fran Tarkenton. How are you reacting? <laughs> well, I mean, Fran, Fran's probably a little bit old to deal with. All right, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a bad example. <laughs> no, uh, Tommy Maddox, Tommy Maddox. Is- uh, no, I, it's definitely an unorthodox way to do it. And Jim Ursay is like that. He's, he's going to do his own thing for his own reasons. I'm um, sure. Would you promoted Gus Bradley, who was on staff, or John yeah. Fox, who was also on staff, who have been head coaches in the or, past? Uh, Reggie Williams, oh. receiver coach. Reggie, and yes, anybody in house is going to be a better hire than bringing somebody with no head coaching experience in. I, I'm agreeing on that. I just I don't think the move was made in a give up scenario. I really do think it was made to salvage their season. And then to a lot of people are down on ears sake because of all the craziness that's gone on. I I give him a lot of credit because he's. Uh, partially responsible for dan snyder's immediate selling of the commanders <laughs> what did you make of that news when it came out last week i was jumping up and down I, I, it was like christmas for me but how did what did you how did you react to the news did you ever think he was gonna sell the team uh i mean i'm still not convinced he's actually gonna go through you think they, so the way they say it's the exploratory phase of of possible options there's a lot of there's a lot of uh legal jargon in that statement but i do think he will eventually sell it um in the near future 
And I think Jim Ursay said what probably a lot of owners feel but wouldn't actually put their name behind. And especially in that type of setting, a very impromptu kind of off the cuff comment that Jim made about the fact that he doesn't believe that Dan Snyder should be an NFL owner. I mean, not a lot of guys at that level, quite frankly, billionaires are going to do that in that setting. So it, it kind of did take somebody like Jim Ursay who, who marches to the, the beat of his own drum, for lack of a better term, to kind of come out and say what everybody was thinking about Dan Snyder. Because obviously the NFL is booming. It's the biggest, biggest, biggest sport in the country. And it's, 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 it's on the way up. But you just have this guy in D.C. who's keeping you down. I know a lot of owners like having a competent moron outside of the nation's capital because they know they're never going to be a threat to them. But at some point, you got to think about your business interests and realize that this guy's not good for business. You think that's on the back of a lot of these guys' minds? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you don't need a guy that's constantly mired in scandal as one of your owners. I mean, you know, you're select 32 owners, right? It's not like there's multiple of you or you can switch the face of that franchise to somebody else or, you know, promote a CEO. It just, it doesn't work that way at the NFL. The owners are really the figureheads of each of these teams. And quite frankly, he's the worst of them all. And it's not close. Yeah. And so you can't keep having controversies year in and year out and being under investigation and being forced to make comments on and defend your team and expect to have a healthy organization that can compete every year. It's just, there's no history of that. You know, you look at the best organizations, look at Robert Kraft. I mean, for most of his tenure, he's been scandal-free. And Except for, the, know, except for the, run, that, that one thing. And- E-word I said most of his career. <laughs> it's franchises like that where, you know, you're going to have that long-term success if you've got the guy at the top that's making the decisions that's not mired in controversy. What do you think is going on in the locker room and all this stuff's going on? And these guys are just trying to focus on football and there's just constant scrutiny, not related to them at all, but obviously it's a major distraction and you're just got to focus on your job and go out one on Sunday. I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a major distraction because, you know, I've been in those settings where there's been a controversial thing going on with either a coach or an owner. And it's not that it, it doesn't really personally affect you in that moment. It more affects you over time on how the team is being built, who the guys around you eventually will be, you know, what draft pick you'll have. Is your quarterback the right guy? Those are the big decisions that, you know, that come from the systemic, um, you know, owner, head coach. We need to GM, we need to figure out what to do. But on a day to day basis, you know, most players are just focused on what they have to do that week and, you know, how to get through another week and get collect their paycheck and continue their career. And, And they don't, quite frankly, they don't care who owns the team. Yeah. Like I said, it does have an impact on on all the important things in the future. That's interesting. And when I asked you, you're a South Florida guy. What, what do you make of Tua's season and the Dolphins? It looked like if, if Josh Allen's out for an extended period of time, we still don't know. Looks like they could eclipse and take over the division lead. Love it. I mean, I love what Tua is doing, and I love the fact that we've kind of moved past the concussion um, issue, which was handled poorly, and I think everybody understands that. But to me, Tua has always unfairly been unfairly judged because he just hasn't had the team around him to fairly, you know, judge whether or not he can be a competent NFL quarterback. And finally, he has those pieces. He has the Tyreek Hill, the Waddle. They've got two good running backs now. They've got a good reworked offensive line, a tight end. I mean, there's he was set up for success this year, and he's doing just that. He's getting the ball to the playmakers. He's kind of like a Kirk Cousins, I would say where he's not going to go down the field and just light it up and win you the game, but he's also not going to necessarily lose it for you. Um, And at at his, this stage in his career, it's perfect. And he's exactly what you want for the Dolphins. I know you spent a little time in Seattle. I think they're the biggest story in the NFL this year. What what do do you make it there? Obviously moving on from Ross and everybody, like I, I I bet them to have the worst record in the NFL this year. I was literally like, they're, 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 they're done. They're done. And they're just, they're killing it right now in the, I think Pete Carroll's coach of the year. 
I think Gino should be getting an MVP, but I, I'm happy for the guy. I hope he, I hope he cashes in on the open market. What do you make of this season? Too. It's I, it's, I did not see it coming. I'm with you. I mean, the fact that Geno Smith has kind of turned back the clock to West Virginia days. I mean, he looks like he did in college. Uh, he never looked like this. Tavon. Sign Tavon. Uh, yeah, get Tavon. He's still floating around probably somewhere. Uh, I'm sure he'll play. Um, but yeah, Geno Smith looks like he does in college. You know, he's making quick decisions. It, his, the way he releases the ball is just, it's one of the prettiest in the NFL. His, yeah. his throws are just each week. He's got throws that other quarterbacks just don't make. And it's kind of crazy that I'm associating that with Geno Smith, right? Uh, You know, a a guy who's been a career backup for the last five, six years. Um, So for me, Pete always, always preached culture while I was there. And it's all about competition. And the problem is, is when you, when you work that way and you start to lose, it's really hard to continue to bring that message. But for them, the best thing they did was get off to a good start, right? And they won a, a couple early games. They won their opener against Russell, and they They're just beat Brady in Germany on Sunday. Yep, yep. And they were just kind of able to to really build momentum, which is so key for NFL teams. That and people don't realize that getting off to a slow start in the NFL is one of the hardest sports to overcome because your games are just so limited. You don't you know, you have seventeen. You don't have forty like the English Premier League does, or eighty two like the NBA. You have forty games in that in soccer. I, I don't even know when thirty eight. Yeah, because you can't play yourself. Twice. Yeah, I don't even know when the season starts or ends. It's always like seven. It never really ends, Zach. It doesn't ever really end. That's why no. soccer players are the best athletes. They're yeah. just constantly playing. No, it's incredible with, with Gene. I think he's. I think he's got the best completion percentage of any quarterback, and it's not like they're. Isn't he's he like, like managing percent or seventy two? Yeah, it's not like he's yeah. outrageous. I think he's like I want to say sixteen touchdowns, five ints. Without looking at it, but it's not Which like they're hard. holding him that back. Those are the he's numbers letting, you want. Yeah, yeah, he's he's letting it rip, and I, I thought it was really interesting when Metcalf didn't request a trade, and I also think it's wild that they said he'd narrowly beat Drew Locke out for the starting job. So how good is Drew Locke that we just don't know, and he's just sitting there on the bench. So, uh, practice and games are different. We all know that. There's t- there's plenty of practice all Americans, what we used to call them. Uh, it, you got to get in the game time to see what you can really do. What do you think's wrong with the Raiders? Gosh, I mean, they what blown three 17 plus point leads, which is insane to be honest. Um, I don't know. Again, another another organization that's systemically not really run um, the cleanest. Uh, constantly going over to new coaches, controversy, moving cities. Uh, they just, it's been a tumultuous 10 plus years, the Raiders. And I just feel like they had some momentum coming into the year. Um, personally, I know it wasn't the sexy choice, but I probably would have looked at keeping Rich Basaccia. Um, I, thought, I, thought, I, thought he, he, I thought he should have like been in the mixer coach of the year last year, just keeping them together throughout the rug stuff. I, and the I totally stuff. agree. And yeah, I think it was almost the- it, it was, it was unsaid how good he of a job he did down the stretch with that team. And the amount of, severe controversy they had it wasn't just you know a couple of of things here or there it was a lot and the fact that he was able to lead them in the playoffs and and it just it was very impressive so I, I was I was disappointed not to see him get a shot to be the head coach but it's still too early to write off Josh McDaniels and say that he's not going to work there um you know he's got such a good offensive mind and he's had success so let's just let's let it play out this year's a you know lost year for them but gotta finish strong and see what they can do who, who do you think is the best team in the NFC South uh, it's got to be Brady in the Bucks. Still, um, roster, roster, top to bottom is the best. You, you, what are you going to bet against Tom Brady? Who are you going to choose? I like the Saints. If if, if Jameis, they can get Andy healthy. Dalton, Mariota, or PJ Walker. Those are your I mean, four. PJ Walker had a great throw. He had like, one really good throw against Atlanta. So, so you just can't quit Tom Brady, man. No one can. Besides Giselle, sorry, uh, had to. No. Um, no, I, I. That's it's unfortunate what happened with those two, and I'm sure it had been brewing a long time before that. But uh, I mean, always bet for Brady. Always. 
what, what do you make of a lot of the kind of like crappy play we've seen this year? I've heard some people, I think I saw it was Chris Sims said that he thinks that the edge rushers are better than ever before and the, the tackles can't hold up. Because we were seeing, like, obviously you look at like Burrow and Stafford and Brady, they're getting the shit kicked out of them because the offensive lines are not playing well. And these edge rushers, they're, I mean, there's some, I see there could be something to that, but what do you make of some of the, some of these games this year? Just like, what the hell's going on? Right. Well, I mean, each year the NFL gets more and more athletic, right? You get an influx of guys who are better athletes than the guys the year before. And that, and just, it's like an effect. It keeps coming. And, you know, you're starting to see that along the defensive line now. I mean, when I first started playing football, a lot of the guys in the defensive line were kind of the overweight dudes that couldn't move that well, that were good, either good run stoppers or had a, a good quick release. And that's just not the case anymore. I mean, you get some of your freakiest athletes on the defensive line, and I don't think that's transitioned over to the offensive line as well from college. Uh, I think guys are coming out of high school and they're more more depth to playing on those D lines and playing linebacker, being the edge rushers. Whereas I think the offensive linemen have not made that jump. And that's kind of why you're seeing that there is no really elite offensive line in the NFL anymore. And that, you know, quarterbacks are getting hit more guy, more backups are playing than ever at quarterback. And it's just, I don't see as it's a trend that's going to change in the near future. But eventually it kind of has to, it kind of also all has to come back to the mean or revert to the mean, I should say, uh, and have better athletes on the offensive line to combat the issues you're seeing with the edge rushers. Do you think that's similar what's kind of going on with the running backs kind of coming up? Because you feel like there's a lot more great receivers and there's just less and less great running backs coming out each year. Totally agree. And I mean, the running back position has been devalued over the last 10 years. I mean, it, and that's evidenced by nobody wants to pay them, right? They don't see second contracts very often. And when they do, it's usually one of the lowest paid positions. So it, you know, the NFL is essentially telling everyone, yeah, the running backs a dime a dozen and we can, and they're interchangeable. And there's no such thing really as those, you know, key go-to backs outside of a handful of guys. And outside of that, I mean, the rest of them are treated as if they're replaceable. Interesting. So, so look, looking at it right now, do you think it's Buffalo and Philly kind of at the top oh or is there anybody else? I, in I would you bet on who's going to win the Super Bowl? I think it's one of the most wide open years I've seen maybe ever. I already, I already did. I bet Buffalo. So I'm hoping Josh Allen's elbow is fantastic. But um, it's the NFC just feels horrible. I mean, because the fact that the two best teams in the NFC are in the NFC East, I was like, what the hell's going on here? And then the, the Giants, I'm, I'm glad they're kind of falling back to earth a little bit because that was getting a little out of control early. Right. People were like Brian Dable, coach of the year, Daniel Jones, starter, pump the brakes, bump the brakes. We saw what happened to them against Seattle. Yeah, um, true. Good point. Yeah, but like the NFC, I mean, everybody was talking about how great the AFC West is going to be this year. It's not the case. Obviously, Russell Wilson is stunk. Nathaniel Hackett's been on the subject of potentially being ousted in his first year. The Chargers have had a ton of injuries. Them, I kind of give them, I give them a kind of pass to. And the Chiefs have been much better than advertised. But like the NFC just stinks. Uh, you're not wrong. I think the team that people should watch out for, and this is, I cannot believe I'm saying this, 49ers. I think once they start to get healthy again with their defense and their playmakers and Jimmy as their quarterback, I, there's no reason they can't make a run and go deep in the NFC playoffs. I, I just, they don't need the playmaker at quarterback, which is not, which is exactly what Jimmy is. He's not the playmaker. He's kind of, he's the guy that's going to manage the game and get it to your studs. And he fits their offense perfectly for this. I think in the future, obviously, you want that young guy that you can grow with and develop and, you know, that Jalen Hurts type that can be dynamic for you. But with the roster that San Francisco has right now, there's no reason why they can't win with Jimmy as their quarterback. They also have that guy, I think he's like the linebacker safety. He's always making the Tafunga. He's every time I'm watching Red Zone. Yeah, I think it's Harvey Tafunga, yeah. Yeah, this dude's unbelievable. He's making a bunch of plays week in, week out. Yep. So, no, it's... 
It's nuts. And I saw your your, your Bulldogs. I, 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 I have not watched any college football this year, but were you shocked they spanked Tennessee? No. I Again, I made this comment earlier about a, a team. It, there's a talent gap, right? So Tennessee starters are great, but Georgia's second line and second rotation guys could be starters in Tennessee. And, and when you get that type of matchup, you're always going to have a discrepancy in talent. And, you know, Tennessee's on the right track, and Josh Heupel's done an excellent job there, but they don't have the recruiting yet to really – sustain their ranking and record and i think that showed on saturday and, and plus playing in athens in that type of environment it's almost impossible to win and um number 13 stetson bennett for the georgia bulldogs is the real he's deal like, i, I cannot like believe I uttered those how, words how, old is he? how old is he i think he's 25 actually yeah he shouldn't, he shouldn't be allowed to play um <laughs> no because they did they have that one other guy who transferred right um uh, which the guy? guy? The guy they had last year that they were kind of going back and forth with? AT Daniels. Yeah, he's at West Virginia now. That's right. Yeah. No, it's fucking. And then have you taken a look at any of these uh, kind of prospects for next year? Not really yet. I've, I've been kind of paying attention. Too early. To Way too early for that. What, any of the quarterbacks intrigue you? Just looking like it's like SEC, like Anthony Richardson. He had, that, he had possibly one of the greatest plays I've ever seen in my entire life. That fucking that fake out early on. Yes. He, that was, he that was the play of the year in, 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 in oh pro or God. college for me. I was I watched it probably a hundred times. Yep. The best fucking play, one of the best play designs I've ever seen, but he's fallen off. And then Bryce Young has gotten hurt. And then Stroud, you don't know. Are any of these guys intriguing? Uh, the guy I like the best is still not draft eligible. It's Caleb Williams. I think he'll end up being the best okay. pro. The USA? USC quarterback. He's got a great arm and he makes quick decisions. And I, I do think Lincoln Riley's quarterbacks translate well to the NFL because it's it's truly, it's, it's an offense that's run on almost every team in some form. Might not be their main one, but it's a package. Um. Wait, back to your Anthony Richardson comment, though. Can somebody at Florida retire the number 15 so I don't have to see it worn on another quarterback? Every time I see him drop back, I'm going, how can you not retire your your university's most famous football player of all time? Yeah. And then they just retire his number. Yeah. Now, there's some, there's a lot of those. It's the same time every, every time I see CeeDee Lamb, I'm like. It's weird. It's it just like, let alone let alone at the same exact position, too. He's He's wearing 15 at quarterback. It's like, man, just retire the number. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's I, w- I wonder if one day we're going to get the triple digits or like emojis or like fucking letters and shit because they're just running out of Symbol. numbers. Symbols would be funny. Yeah, that'd be, be I mean, like the, the best one is the long There's term. an asterisk running down the field for yeah. a touchdown. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. Like an X, like zero. Like, I don't think anybody in the NFL has yep. ever done zero or double zero. They've done that in the NBA. I don't think they let them do double zero. I think Jordan Clarkson's double zero. But like Robert Paris, Hall of Fame, double zero. Yep. Gilbert. But NFL, like you go zero and these guys can wear whatever numbers they want anymore. Like if you're a corner, you can't wear zero because you get cooked. You got to change it. <laughs> but no. Essentially, yeah, you can't yeah. do that. Sauce Gardner can wear zero because this dude's fucking. Gosh, is he good, huh? If you, if, what do you make of that? Uh, fresh out of Cincy, he's shutting down Stefan Diggs. Bill's defense looks like the world beaters out there, and he's a major part. I mean – he kind of had the swagger coming out of college. And the idea with him was that like, look, he's pro ready right now, which is really hard to do. Give up a touchdown at college. Right. At the cornerback position, that's almost unheard of to come in and be a pro ready cornerback. Cause that's, you know, with the freak athletes that you have on on the edge in the NFL, like you're going to get beat and your confidence is going to get tested immediately. Whereas in college, you could go four, five, six weeks where you're not playing anybody at receiver that's going to play in the NFL. So you're locking them down. They're not throwing your way and you're doing your job, but you're not necessarily being tested. So somebody like Sauce Gardner who gets who gets tested immediately, especially in a division with Tyreek Hill, Waddle, and Stephon Diggs, and he's doing extremely well. That's to me that, that's super impressive and says a lot about him. Yeah. Are there any other teams that are kind of catching your attention this year that are either outperforming what you thought they'd do or just tanking? 
I said this last year. I remember saying it on your podcast. I said if the Arizona Cardinals didn't make the playoffs this was the beginning of they the year, stink. that they're going to clean house. I was just a year early. It's going to happen this year. They just, I extended, just, don't see it. They just extended Cliff. I don't see. I don't see a way where they finish this year with you know five six games below five hundred. They bring him back. I, I just why would you? You think the coaching staff's the issue? Do you think Kyler is? I just think it's a systemic interest. issue. I mean, you see all the arguments on the sideline, and, and again. Arguments and dust-ups happen on every single NFL sideline, right? But it feels like with the Cardinals, it's every week there's something going on that's a significant issue, and it's something that's being caught on camera. And, you know, you hear these these stories about Kyler Murray and his commitment and the video games. It's just there seems like there's always a, something going on with the Arizona Cardinals. And until they kind of either refresh and, and clean house, I just don't think it's going to change. Do you think Watt, Watt is, he's going to hang it up after this year? Or I heard somebody say they think he's going to go to I don't know. I mean, he's still he's a, he's a freak athlete, and he's he's good enough to play at, at, at any age he wants to. It just depends what role he wants to have. Like, will he be the pass rush specialist and just be on the field for, you know, 20, 25 snaps a game, or does he feel like he has to be on the field all the time? Um, that will really determine how long he wants to play. And then one last question for you: How far do you see this Vikings team going? Sheesh, I really want to see them play um, Josh Allen this weekend in Buffalo. I want to see how they do. It's going to probably be Keenum. So. Yeah, it'll probably be Case Keenum revenge game. But I, can I answer this question after I watch them play this yes. week? Buffalo? Yeah. Because but, then I can give you an appropriate answer. Do they feel 8-1 to you? Do they no, feel like eight, they those Steelers from a couple of years ago to you? They feel like, to me, like they're on the same level almost as the Dolphins. We are like, they have the talent and they have the ability to possibly go all the way, but like, let's really see it before we say that because uh, the pedigree has not been there in the recent years. So for me, I, I still want to see them really just take down a real good team on the road or at home and just, you know, really prove to the world that they're they're here. No, because what's his name? Um, love that they got Daniel, Daniel Hunter back. Yep, he's yes. healthy. Looks great. And then Harrison Smith picked off uh, Heineke. I can't believe he's still out there. But um, no, they, they're and then they got traded. What about the Hawkinson trade? Do you think that was kind of like an love all it. in? I love it. I mean, Irv Smith's out for the next they say eight to ten weeks, which you just can't depend on. And he's unfortunately he's very talented, but he's proven that he's he's injury prone at this point. Um, love that. Uh, Minnesota is always a better football team when they've got an excellent and great tight end. Um, we had one there in Kyle Rudolph while I was there, so it just. You know, I, I like that move for them and always give Kirk an, an option to check it down. Yeah, well, I, I thought Washington had him in the bag on Sunday. Thank you, Scott Turner, for doing what I tell people he does all the time. I'm hoping this is Scott Turner's last year in D.C. But um, always a pleasure having you. I really appreciate it. Um, how can people check out your Twitter and IG and any of the stuff you're working on? I'm Blair Walsh underscore three on Instagram. That's where most of my stuff is. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. What do you what do you make of the new Twitter? Everybody's getting verified. I got verified. I got verified. Real verified. You got verified? Oh no, no, man. no. Like Elon not, messed not, up. Not verified. Elon verified, like legit verified. So yeah, I got no, a couple no. months he, ago. And I everybody messed verified. up. They messed up letting you get verified. Now, what do you and what do you make? So they, now they're doing the everybody's getting verified. And now they said, all right, now we have a gray verified check. And then that's gone. And then they're like, there's all these fake accounts. Like somebody said Le, Le, maybe a fake LeBron account today and got everybody and said he's going back to Cleveland and a fake Schefter account. Yeah, um, it's out of control that the yeah. the um you know the, the way you can just quickly create yeah. a fake account impersonating someone that I think that's what they're trying to get rid of with the double gray check mark, but it's yeah, there's gotta be a better solution. I'm sure they'll find it. My hot take is that Elon stole somebody else's good idea at Tesla and that he's just a moron. <laughs> I don't think so. No way. No way. Because he's like I, I mean, he's losing these advertisers and he's apparently they want to put Twitter behind a paywall. And people don't want to pay for it. just like, you, like at eight dollars a month. That's that's what the uh, the rumor 
mine turned so. out. Yeah. And I'm like, what is he doing? Like, I wonder if Tesla's doing so well that he can afford to just throw 44 billion out, out, out of out of the fucking his um, account and just tank this and just see if he can fix it, even though there's nothing to fix. I mean, Elon wants to control the narrative when it comes to the you know the media market, and Twitter's one of the biggest media outlets in the world. So I, I understand what he's doing. I just think it's going to be really hard to to do it quickly. So we'll you think with, you think with people that level, there's somebody that they'll listen to that like like a conscience, or they're just like I'm doing whatever I want. No, they have to. If they just do whatever they want, they would be out of control and they'd lose their wealth very quickly. And so guys like him who've sustained it for a long time, they definitely have a group that's in their ear that they trust that they don't always make that decision that they're they're saying or being advised to, but they actually do take the advice. I was saying to somebody today, I said, it's almost like he's like Jerry Jones and he thinks he can be a real GM. He can't. You sure Jerry that over that's 20 years. Yeah, what are you can't. talking about? Jerry Jones is a real GM. I mean, I mean, like be a GM that can win you a Super Bowl based on. I, yeah, I know where you're going with that. So is it Mr. Washington Homer? I got it. Don't yeah, worry. but we're gonna. So we're, you think we get? Who do you think Washington's getting? Bezos, Bezos, JC. Apparently, McConaughey wants to be involved too. Bezos makes the most sense. Um, he's got the know, post. He's got Amazon yeah, coming. That makes the most sense to me. Jeff Bezos would be a perfect owner in the NFL, and I'm sure the NFL wants him to be an owner. So it, you know, it's not like he's gonna have to go through the vetting process in a very difficult manner. No. And they, apparently they'll give them, they're just going to give them RFK. So apparently they said it's seven, seven billion probably for the team, but that's basically with the assumption that you're going to rebuild RFK. So yeah, he's going to say they need, they need to do to overhaul it or build a new one or yeah. uh, whatever, whatever their plans I are. And wait. They need to actually do that. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait, man. But always a pleasure having you on. So I do appreciate the time. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me.